Hey everybody, welcome to Hope and welcome to sweater vest season. Most wonderful time of the year. Anyway, uh, last week we started a new message series, Which Way to the Promised Land, and uh, Pastor Mike kicked off that uh, message series. If you did not have the opportunity to hear Mike's message, I'd encourage you to download the podcast or go to hopeonline.tv, and you can watch as as he kind of sets the stage for what we're going to be doing over the next uh, several weeks. And also, it's a really good message, and it was important and powerful and inspiring and challenging. Today, we get to Exodus chapter 3. Uh, Moses has an experience, an encounter with God through the burning bush, and and God says to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And immediately Moses starts making excuses, starts coming up with all kinds of reasons why Moses believes God's idea is not a good idea. I I, I like this uh, video we just watched with Michael Jordan, suggesting that maybe he did us a disservice, He, he he made it look like basketball was effortless and, and too easy, and he wishes maybe he would have made sure that we saw more than the highlights and more than the last-second shots and slam dunks and championships. Maybe it's my fault, he says. Should have showed you how hard we had to work. Should have showed you how nothing came easy, how failure kind of fueled my success. Maybe it's my fault, but I like how he ends it. Or maybe you're just making excuses. I think there's a real temptation for us in church world, in faith world, to make our focus the highlights. And we love the stories where the good guy wins, right? Where uh, David defeats Goliath and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown in the fiery furnace and uh, they survive it, or Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den and the lions become these purry, cuddly kittens and everything's just fine. We like when Esther stands up to the power of the empire and she saves her people from potential genocide, or when the angel appears to Mary and says, I know you're not married, I know you're just a young woman, but how would you like to be the mom of the Messiah? And Mary says, sure, sign me up, let's do this. I think sometimes what we communicate to people is this is how faith works. Someday God is going to show up, and when God shows up, it makes everything all better. When when God shows up, your life is going to be problem-free from here on out. Well, that does not seem to be the story of Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up. I'll start in verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, a couple of things I want to point out here. It says it's the mountain of God, but when Exodus chapter 3 begins, it's not the mountain of God. It's just an ordinary mountain in an ordinary day in Moses' life. He doesn't know that this place where he is standing is holy ground. He hasn't had an experience with the burning bush. He hasn't gone back up there later to receive the Ten Commandments. He's just doing what he always does. As a shepherd, he's taking his flock to places where they can grace. He's just doing what he always does. This is the way you and I live our lives, isn't it? I mean, if we're going to be honest... We're here at worship, we're in a worship center, a sanctuary, we've made the decision to come to worship, but how many of us are actually expecting God to show up? How many of us spent any time on our way, our drive-in today, let's be praying for God to encounter us in really powerful ways today at worship, through music, through scripture, through the message? How many of you spent any time this week kind of crying out, Lord, I need to hear from you? I need your help. I need your hope. How many of you are crying out because of some situation that's going on in your life and you're like, Lord, I need to hear from you. And maybe you're here today because you're like, if if I don't hear from God soon, it's just, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
And, and maybe some of you are here, a handful of you, and that's been your experience this week, and you really are hoping to hear something from God that's going to help you. But I think for most of us, the vast majority of us, we're just here. Yeah, it's Sunday, it's 9.15 or 9.25 or whenever it is, we roll in. We roll in. This is what we do on Sundays. And we don't have a real expectation that God is going to show up. And, and if that's our attitude and that's our mindset when we come to worship, what might that mean for our attitude and our mindset the rest of the week? The other six days of the week and when we're engaging in relationships with family members and friends, when we're going to school, when we're going to work, do we have any expectation that everything that we do, every moment might be an opportunity for God to show up and encounter us in powerful and life-changing, life-giving ways? I think most of us, we live our lives this way. We're just Exodus 3 verse 1, we're doing what we do. And so that's what makes the next verse so awesome to me. Let's read this verse out loud together, Exodus 3, verse 2. It's on the screen. Read it with me. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. This is something we believe deeply about who God is. We believe in a God who encounters us, that God's always making that first step. God's always taking that move, initiating a relationship with people. God's always doing whatever it takes to get our attention. This is what love does. Love pays attention and God is love. God is paying attention to you even when you're not paying attention to God. And I don't want you to miss that point. In this point in the story, Moses is 80 years old. When he's 40 years old, he runs away from Egypt, flees Egypt, runs into the desert of Midian. For the last 40 years, Moses has been hiding from God turning his back on his people, the people of Israel, God's people, trying to forget all about that life. And still, God is not turning his back on Moses. God is paying attention to Moses. God is loving Moses. I don't know what the situation in your life is these days, but I'm guessing there is somebody here who has a hard time believing that God might be paying attention to your life, the circumstances of your life. I'm guessing there's somebody here who has a hard time believing that God might actually love them. Moses makes a mistake. That's why he runs away from Egypt. He kills an Egyptian soldier. And in his guilt, embarrassment, shame, humiliation around all of that, he turns his back on God. God doesn't turn his back on Moses. And and maybe there's a mistake in your past. And and you think it's too big of a mistake. It's There's no way that God could possibly still want to have anything to do with me. You got to hear nothing could be further from the truth. That's a lie. That's not what God says. It's not who God is. It's not what God does. There's no ditch that's so deep God can't reach down and take you by the hand and pull you out of that and put your feet on a firm foundation. There's no mistake that's so great, no sin that's so terrible that God's grace is not for you. God's grace cannot cover you. God's grace cannot change you and transform you. And so here's God reaching out and getting the attention of this murderer named Moses. And that gets us to verse 3. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. This bush starts on fire, but it doesn't burn. It's not consumed by the fire. The flames are just there on this bush. And Moses is like, this is amazing. Now, I don't know about you, I'm one of those guys who 
It doesn't take a whole lot to amaze me. So I thought this might be a good time in the service to do some things that I think are kind of amazing, but I'm going to need a little bit of help with this. So I need three or four kids. I see two hands right there. Those two of you come up. Yep, you, sir, come on up. One more. Okay, I see you. Come on up. All right, round of applause for our kid volunteers. It's going to help me with the rest of this sermon, I hope. Okay. We'll put this down right here. We better get a microphone for you guys in case you have something powerful to say. What's your name? Porter. How old are you? Eight. Thanks for helping out. Name? Caitlin. And how old are you, Caitlin? Ten. Ten. What's your name? Grayson. Hi, Grayson. How old are you? Nine. Nine. And your name? Liam. Hi, Liam. How old are you? Five. All right. Thanks for helping me out. Here's what we're going to be doing today. Can you hold that for me for a second? Okay, perfect. Anybody like playing cards? Sort of? Okay, come right over here. That's a card for you. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to fill this cup, just an average ordinary cup, nothing special or magical about this cup at all. And we're going to pour some water into it. You can call it holy water if you want, but it's not really. It's just water. Now what I want you to do, Caitlin, put the card on top of there. Make sure you can't see any part of the top of the cup, okay? Okay, you hold the cup. Hold the cup. That'll be better. Yep. Now, Kind of hold it over here if you can in case it spills, but it's not going to spill. You're going to turn the cup upside down while applying pressure all the way upside down. Don't let it make it really straight. Make sure that, yeah. Now, take your hand off the card. Keep it straight. Keep it straight. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? How'd you do that? Don't know? It's the water. No, don't explain it to me. Just be amazed. <laughs> Every single time the kids tell me, it's just surface tension. It really is. Oh, no, I forgot one important piece of the prop. Everybody wait here. Where's the bag? Here it is. I found it. All right. Um, Everybody grab a pencil. Just one. Doesn't matter what color. They're bendy? Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't know that. That's another amazing thing. Here's what we're going to do. Okay, if you know it, don't tell anybody. (laughs) Who invited you? Oh, yeah, I did. (laughs) Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hold this, and you, you have to be smooth to do this. Are you feeling smooth today? You guys feel kind of smooth? Okay. You're going to take the pencil, poke it through the bag, through the water, through the other side of the bag. And I'll hold it here so when it drips, we'll be okay. Got it? You want me to hold the mic? Are microphones around water a good idea? Um, Definitely not. Okay. Keep it there. Don't take it out. Oh! You need really good instructions, don't you? If you stick it through and just leave the pencil there, the water doesn't come out at all. How amazing. Wait a second. I think I've got a spare. Let's try it. Oh. Always, I should have been a Boy Scout. Okay, can you pour water into this for me? There's water in that pitcher right there. Yeah, just fill it up about halfway, please. A little more, a little more. Oh, yeah, dump it. Just dump it all in there. Perfect. Now we'll seal it very tightly, and we'll try it again. You'll stick it through one at a time. One, wait. Oh, man. When's the sermon on patience? Um, stick it all the way through and just leave it there, okay? Think we can do this? Green first. Nice. Leave it there. Purple. 
Don't take it out. All right, just leave it there. Okay, next. You guys are really good at this. And one final one. Seriously, isn't that, aren't you guys completely amazed by this? All right, you can sit down. Thanks for helping me preach today, everybody. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, I told you I'm easily amazed, but still, I think that's pretty good. But it's not a burning bush. If God were to appear to you in a burning bush and begin to communicate with you through that burning bush, you would be absolutely amazed. Most of the time, most of the time, that's not how God speaks to us. It's not how God gets our attention. But make no mistake, God is always on the move trying to get our attention. And when God gets your attention, it would be wise to pay attention. When God gets your attention, it would be wise to pay attention. So uh, we're talking about this giving campaign that's coming up over the last couple of weeks. I've just make, been making a ton of phone calls, asking people to help with different teams that it's going to take to do this. And one of the things that's been kind of fun for me to hear, several people have said, Pastor Scott, thanks for calling. We've been talking about how to get more involved. This was just the nudge we needed. Just the nudge we needed. That's how God often gets our attention. Now, let me stop for a second. If I called you and, said, and you said, no, I can't help out. This is not me scolding you. It, your job's to pay attention to God, not to Scott. So um, when God gets your attention, it's wise to pay attention. How does God typically get your attention in your life? Because God speaks to all of us in, in different kinds of ways. Still small voice, gentle nudge. How does God do this for you? Uh, we were up in Dyke, Iowa yesterday filming a hope story. A couple of people in this church who've been responding to nudges that God has, has been putting on their life and it's leading to some pretty incredible things. And, and we'll share that story uh, the second week of November. So invite your friends to come back the second week of November. It's pretty awesome. But on the way home, it was like, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm driving through cornfields and looking at harvest, and it's just fantastic. And, and I thought of my son Dalton, who's in college, and I thought, oh, this would be a good time for me to reach out to Dalton. And then I thought, no, it's a Friday afternoon. College kid doesn't want to talk to his dad on a Friday afternoon. I know. I'll just send him a text, and I can do the voice text, so it's very safe. Uh, I'm list and Dalton has great taste in music. I don't so much. So my text was, Dalton, I've been listening to too much Guns N' Roses and Hootie and the Blowfish lately. <laughs> Do you have any good music that I could listen to? I sent the text. And then my iTunes flipped uh, from Guns N' Roses' Patience to a really good song, uh, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. That's, that's good music. And so um, I'm listening to Landslide, and Dalton texted me back. Here's three songs you should probably download and start listening to, Dad. Guess what the first one was? Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. This is how God talks to me. Like, that, that wasn't about what song should I listen to. That was about God saying, I'm paying attention to your son in college. He's okay. He's fine. Don't worry about him. I love him. He's going to be, you just do your thing. How, how does God get your attention? When's the last time God got your attention? And do you pay attention when God gets your attention? God gets Moses' attention through the burning bush, and, and Moses does not respond by saying, thank you, Lord, that's just the nudge I needed. Instead, Moses starts coming up with excuses, and, and I was thinking about this. When, when, we're, 
When God's saying, here's what I want you to do, here's where I want you to go, here's who I want you to be, and our response is to make excuses for why we're not going to do what God's asking us to do, really we're believing God's idea is not a good idea. And think about how foolish that is. Imagine having an actual conversation with God where you say, God, I know that's your idea, but that's a bad idea. Are you serious? That's silly. That's foolish. So I was thinking, what might be a silly video clip about making excuses to drive this point home? In Despicable Me 2, Gru's neighbor Jillian is trying to play matchmaker and find a woman for Gru to date, and he is completely disinterested and makes up all kinds of excuses why he shouldn't be going out on a date. Take a look. Shannon here with me. I was thinking you two could get some grub, you know, tear it up, see what happens. <laughs> uh, open up. Agnes, tell Jillian I'm not here. Grub's not here. Are you sure? Yes, he just told me. Mm -mm. I mean, no, he didn't just tell me. <laughs> Agnes, where's Grub? He's swatting out flies. No, no. He's chopping his head off. <laughs> He's pooping. When the kids are in the room, you got to get their attention. Uh, I think we think we're good at making excuses and explaining to God why God's ideas are not good ideas. And I think we look as silly and foolish as Gru when, when we're doing that. Moses, God's got something he wants Moses to do, and Moses keeps coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse. Here's four excuses Moses has for why he's not going to do what God wants him to do. Excuse number one, I have nothing to offer. One of the things Mike said in his message last week was, as we explore the story of Moses, we're going to learn a lot about Moses and his life, but we're also going to learn a lot about ourselves. And so here's one of those examples where uh, when we look at the excuses Moses is making, we're going to see ourselves in a lot of these. I have nothing to offer. You ever find yourself thinking that or saying that? There's no way God might be asking me to do that because why? I it got the wrong guy. So one of my uh, favorite Bible characters is Gideon. And you can read about Gideon in Judges chapter 6, chapter 7. Gideon is from the smallest tribe of the nation of Israel, and he's from the least important clan within that tribe. So he's very surprised when God calls him and says, I want you to lead the army against the enemy, the, the Midianites. The Israelites have 22,000 uh, people in their army. The Midianites have 135,000. They're completely outnumbered, and God says, you got too many, too many in the Israelite army. Whittles it down to 300. And so Gideon leads 300 men into battle against 135,000 Midianites. God's saying, maybe this will prove to you it's not about what you have to offer. It's about just obeying me and, and watching what I do. So Gideon's army is armed with a ram's horn, uh, a, 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 a clay jar, and a torch. And in the middle of the night, they surround the Midianite camp, and they start breaking all the clay pots and lighting the torches and... Um, playing the ram's horns, and it creates chaos within the camp. The Midianites start fighting each other, killing each other off, and eventually they run away and the Israelites win. And when I think of that story, I can't help but think of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 4. 
Uh, 2 Corinthians 4. Let's read this out loud together. We ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. I have nothing to offer is our excuse. And God says, I know. I know, but I'm going to be with you, and so you can do it. So when we find ourselves thinking we got nothing to offer, these two passages of Scripture are great reminders to me. God's able to do incredible and powerful things through a bunch of crackpots. Turn to somebody close to you and say, you've always been a bit of a crackpot. You've always been a bit of a crackpot. And, and that's not an excuse for disobedience. Being a crackpot is good news. When you find yourself thinking you have nothing to offer, God says, join the club. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Leah thought she was too ugly. Joseph was abused. Uh, Rahab was a prostitute. Timothy was too young. Elijah was suicidal. Job became bankrupt. Jonah ran away from God. Naomi was a widow. The disciples fell asleep while praying for Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. Uh, the Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was too small. Lazarus was too dead. <laughs> Ask the person next to you. I have nothing to offer, and God says, I know. I'm just asking you, would you be obedient and see what happens? And Moses says, I'm not convinced. Excuse number two for Moses. I don't know what to say. And God says, I'll tell you what to say. I, I did not think I was going to be a pastor or even go into ministry when I was in college, but I signed up uh, for a pre-ministerial seminar course because I thought it would be an easy credit. And they invited a pastor, local pastor, to come in uh, for one class to talk to us about writing sermons, preaching sermons. And my primary question was, how do you come up with something new to say every single week? It's like, I think this is why pastors move around every three or four years. Now I've got three or four years worth of sermons. I don't have to write anymore. Let's go to the next church. So my experience has been, when I don't know what to say, God tells me what to say. True in uh, preaching ministry, but also in, in other important ministries. So... Uh, several years ago now, I had to meet with a family to plan a funeral for one of their family members who had been murdered. I don't know what to say. God tells you what to say. And Jesus says, this is true for all of us. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to give us words when we do not have words. I don't know what to say. God says, that's okay. I'll tell you what to say. He tells Moses exactly what to say. And Moses comes up with a third excuse. What if I say what you want me to say, God, and they don't believe me? Pharaoh doesn't believe me. The people of Israel don't believe me. And God's response is, it's not your job. Well, following Jesus is about living a life of freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from the expectations of others, freedom from the expectations we place on ourselves. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and as we grow and mature as followers of Jesus, one of the things that sets us free is we, we really understand the difference between what is my job and what is God's job. What's my job and, and what's God's job? And that starts to set me free. And so God says to Moses, your job is not to be this persuasive speaker. Your job is just to go and say what I've asked you to say and trust me to do the rest. Same for you and me. God's not trying to get us to uh, 
twist people's arms so that they would believe in Jesus. Our job is to figure out what God is asking us to do, who God is asking us to be, and just be obedient in that and trust the results to God. This is something that I'm continuing, continuing to have to, to learn. So often I put this pressure on myself, like this church is my responsibility. It's all up to me. It's all up to me. Uh, you'll lose a lot of hair when you do that. I, uh, we're moving toward this giving campaign, and so one of the things that means is we're looking for pictures of the history of Hope Ankeny. <laughs> I know. And so somebody sent me this one. This was summer of 2007, our very first vacation Bible school. We didn't have a building. We didn't have anywhere to do vacation Bible school, so we did it in hell outside. Um, Sunrise Park, I think, is where that was. And look how much hair I had back then. Anyway, uh, if it was up to me to convince people to be a part of this church and what God is doing here, it would not work. Look at that picture. It's ridiculous, slightly offensive, a little scary. It's surprising anybody came back. But my job's not to make the church grow. That's God's job. My job is to apparently be a fool for Christ, and I'm pretty good at that. My job's to point people to Jesus, not to convince you Jesus has an abundant life for you, but to tell you he does and trust the results to God. And that gets us to the third, uh, fourth excuse that Moses has for God. I'm not good with words. I'm not good with words. This is different than excuse number two where he says, I don't know what to say. When Moses says, I'm, I'm not good with words, part of what he's saying is there is a fatal flaw within me, like who I am, my identity, Whoever made me made a mistake, messed up, didn't get it right. You ever find yourself thinking that, believing that, hearing it from others, and so you're like, well, if they say it, they think it, it must be true. Here's God's response to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. The Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? God made you, and God doesn't make mistakes. And so part of what it means to be people of faith is to learn to just accept who God created us to be, not try to be somebody else, just allow God to use us as we are, as God created us. I don't know what that looks like for you, but for Moses, it was just go. and talk. He's like, I need help. I need somebody to help me. And so God sends Aaron, his brother, to help him. It reminds me of a movie from 1987, Roxanne. Steve Martin is this Cyrano de Bergiac character. He's a firefighter in uh, Colorado, and he's got a really long nose. And he thinks whoever made him made a mistake. And so, but he's really good with words. And then Daryl Hannah plays Roxanne, and uh, Steve Martin's character and, and Daryl Hannah's character have great conversations. They, they enjoy each other's company, find each other very interesting, but he's got this nose, and so she's not interested in dating him. There's another firefighter who's a lot more like me, you know, really strong and handsome and dumb as a rock, and he tries to get Steve Martin to speak on his behalf. I'm not good with words. You are. You speak on my behalf. And it just gets them in all kinds of trouble. And, and one of the things that I noticed when I was, I hadn't seen this movie forever. But going back and watching this movie from the 1980s, it, one of the things that I paid attention to, how 
objectified the women are all throughout this movie. It's just unbelievable. And I, I thought, I'll probably have a zillion clips I can use from this movie. I struggled to get the one clip that I want to show you, and I had to edit it because it was somewhat offensive. So I want you to watch this, and as you watch it, think about what are the fears in your life that keep you, what are the beliefs in your life that keep you from obediently following uh, God's way for your life. Take a look. Stand here over the window. I'll uh, I'll be over there out of sight. I'll whisper to you what to say. Wait, 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 wait. What, what if she hears you? Just call. Rox, Roxanne. Use this. Did you go easy for once in your life? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on, Roxanne. You gotta listen to me. I got a lot to say. I, I want to say. I, go I want... away. Roxanne, wait, wait, just wait. I just want to tell you wait, that... Wait, you were an idiot. I was an idiot, Roxanne. You bet you were. Roxanne, wait, come here. Wait, I... wait, stop. I... CD, help me. I, I want to say that I was... Yeah, I was an idiot, and you're right. I was really... Happy? Dizzy. Oh, th thirsty, thirsty. Ah, uh, this is stupid. This is stupid, stupid. Yeah, I was stupid, and... Uh, and I was also... Tripping, tripping, bumbling. I was a stupid, bumbling, uh, pointer. So why'd you say those things? Why'd I say those things? Tell her you were afraid. Because I was afraid. Of me? What do you mean you were afraid? You're afraid of what? Tell her you were afraid of words. What, what, what? Words. Because I was afraid of worms, Roxanne, worms. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Lord, we all have our own personal fears and excuses and what we think are pretty solid reasons for why what you're asking of us uh, maybe it feels scary or doesn't make sense or, or we think we're incapable. And so I, I pray, Lord, that you would give us faith and you would help us uh, to trust that your way is always the best way. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it does mean that it's good. It will cause us to grow and to change and to understand your incredible love for us more and more all the time. So set our faces, set our hearts toward you. Uh, give us the faith to follow in Jesus' name. Amen.